How's everybody doing this morning? Let's do it with some New York attitude. Turn to your neighbor and say, how you doing? No, that wasn't good enough. Say, how you doing? There you go. We're New Yorkers, you know? Greatest place to live in the world, New York. Everybody said? God is good. God is good. And I want you to know today that I really know that I have a word from the Lord for you today. And I pray that it would bless your hearts. I'm going to take my time this morning, so get excited to hear the word and get comfortable. Not too comfortable, because if you're falling asleep, I, I give your neighbor permission to slap you and say, get up. It's too, too important. It's just way too important for your life. Amen. But um, hey, um, yesterday I had a good friend of mine give me uh, some information that I think we need um, when it comes to all the things that are transpiring around us. And uh, sometimes we don't recognize, but people around us are really stressed. And in particular, sometimes it really affects our kids. And they don't know how to communicate that to us. So we have to be on top of this and we've got to communicate with our kids. And um, let me just say to you, please protect yourself. You see, the media is exploiting situations and they're exploiting you. And, and, and let me just say this. This is really important because, you know, I turned on the radio yesterday. I usually have my radio tuned to 96.7. It's a Christian station. And if I'm going to get news, I'm going to get it from a godly perspective. If I get news, it's going to come in, in, in some form to help me to be informed but not exploit me. And I'm telling you, I, I'm so sick and tired of the, the news uh, exploiting us and trying to pull us into the sensational things that are happening in, in, a, in, a, in a negative way. We don't need to have all the facts. You know, years ago, we didn't have our iPhones and all of that stuff, and it is absolutely stressing us out. You know, I, I happened to listen to 880 News yesterday for a few moments, and the coroner was on about that situation that happened in Connecticut, and they were asking him questions, and I'm thinking to myself, do I need to know all the details? I, we're going way too far. The news is pushing it way too far. And friends, it's not healthy. It's not healthy for Christians. It's not healthy for anyone. It's not healthy for your children. So protect yourself. Some of us, we got the TV on, the radio on, and we don't realize that it is affecting our children. They're hearing this stuff, and it's causing fear. It's causing undue stress. You've got to learn how to protect your ears and your heart so that you can think on those things that are going to be edifying. It doesn't mean that we live in a bubble doesn't mean that we turn off the news. You just have to be careful and you have to protect yourself. Everybody say amen. amen. Um, but there's something in your, in your bulletins this morning and I, I, I felt really led to make sure that you got this. And this is a post-trauma disaster stress sheet to help you to recognize if you or someone you love is in, in stress in your life and you're going to see some of the symptoms of that and it's going to help you to know that you need to reach out to somebody. Somebody's there to help you. Somebody's there to talk with you. And then we gave you some information for your children so that you can recognize what's going on in your children's life as well. Because we need to stay on top of this stuff. We can't pretend that it's not here. We can't live in a bubble. We can't deny things.
things, but we have to deal with them in a proper way. Paul Schwartz, a good friend of mine, he's here. He, he actually specializes in this, and uh, we're going to be talking a little bit more about how we can offer certain things uh, to the church so that we can help you get through some of the stressful times in your life. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 14. Chapter 2, verse 14. And Luke chapter 2 verse 14 says, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now I've, I've read this scripture a million times over. and How many know that as you read the Bible, God always gives you something new? And I always thought to myself I was, as I was reading that, I was like, but where's the peace, God? <laughs> you know, when Jesus came, and the title of my sermon is Experiencing the Peace of God, Overcoming Stress in Your Life, and Experiencing the peace of God. When Jesus came onto this earth, became a man, it was proclaimed that there would be peace on earth. But listen, you look around and you say, where's the peace? But you see, the key part of that scripture is upon whom his favor rests. In other words, God, his favor wants to rest on your life. And when you have the favor of God, when you have the peace of God, when you're in a right relationship with God, then you can have peace within and peace without. And so I want you to know today that my prayer for you is that you will experience the favor of God. That you will experience the grace of God, the presence of God in your life. Because he became a man so that we could have his favor, so that we could have peace within, peace with him, and peace on the outside as well. So this morning, if you recall last week, we talked about experiencing God during the Christmas season. And it's really important that we understand that God wants us to experience his presence because Christmas should be the most joyful time of the year. Christmas should be the most peaceful time of the year. But the truth is, there are a lot of people that are really stressed out during Christmas. In fact, for millions of people, Christmas and the season, the holiday season, has become the most stressful time in their life. 80% of the families that were interviewed for a Christian magazine said that they experienced more stress during Christmas than any other time during the year. 83% of those interviewed experienced difficulties because they have overextended themselves financially. They have overextended themselves physically and emotionally. And 50% and of the women surveyed said that they feel like their families have pushed them too far. And sometimes they even feel used by their family because they've got to entertain and do all these things. And it's caused a lot of stress in their life. And this year, I think people are more stressed than ever before in this region. With all that has occurred in the last several weeks, it's caused a lot of stress in our life. You know, if you think about it, Christmas has always been somewhat of a stressful time, even from the very beginning when Jesus was born. I mean, think of the stress that Mary had. She's pregnant, and she doesn't have a husband. And... God did it. Could you imagine if your daughter came home and said, I'm pregnant and God did this? I mean, what, what am I going to tell my parents, right? Joseph is thinking about breaking up with her. That's pretty stressful, right? 
Not only that, but they have to travel back to, to, to their hometown of Bethlehem. Why? Because they're taking a census. Why? So that they can get more taxes out of them. Listen, I live in Nassau County, and I don't want to hear about taxes. Every time that tax bill comes in the mail, I start to sweat like, what did they do now? How did they raise my tax now? How did they figure out how to get more money from me? Think about it. I mean, even, even the, the, when the angels came down and sang glory to God on the highest, they spooked the shepherds to death. Can you imagine for a moment these angels coming down from heaven and frightening the shepherds and the people around? So there was some stress during the time of the holidays or the first Christmas season. Think about it. How stressful things can be in our life. The word for peace, though, is arene in the Greek. And the word arene means to be calm. To, be, to have a certain sense of tranquility in your life. It's the word that we get in the Hebrew is shalom. It's the equivalent of the word shalom. And the Bible says that, that God is our Jehovah shalom. And when we experience God, we can experience peace in our life. And that word in the Greek for rene means that we are calm on the inside. It has this idea of wholeness, of completeness, of tranquility of the soul that is unaffected by outward circumstances or pressures in this world. The word rene means peace and it strongly suggests the rule of order of peace in our life. Now you might say that's impossible. Friend, it is impossible to have peace on the inside when everything's going wrong on the outside unless God intervenes in your life. I'm not talking about a natural peace. I'm talking about a supernatural peace. Why? Because peace is a fruit of the Spirit. It's a characteristic of the Holy Spirit. And when the favor of God rests upon your life, when the Spirit of God is living on the inside, when you have the favor of God in your life, then you can experience the supernatural power of peace in your life. Doesn't mean that you're just going to go around in denial thinking that these things are never going to affect you. But there is a place, there is a presence there is the presence of God in our life that can help us to overcome the anxieties of life so that we can be at peace. In fact, Colossians chapter 3 verse 15 to 17 says, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Now I want you to know in the Greek that word for peace and rule means let the peace of God referee your life. Now I, I've been to a, a, a couple of hockey fights and a game broke out. You know, I've had a nice time uh, going to some of the those hockey fights and every once in a while a game will break out but you know I have to be honest with you there is something about my base nature my flesh that when a fight breaks out I'm like yeah <laughs> let's see a fight man you know in fact that's the thing that gets people to go to hockey games is they know that anytime a fight can break out and the referee has to jump in and break these people up well here in the Greek what it's saying is is let God and let the peace of God reign in your life and rule or referee for you so that when you're going through a struggle in your life, God can step in and say, wait a minute. Be calm. Stay controlled. Be at peace. Things are going to be okay. Don't get angry. Don't get frustrated. Don't take it out on other people. But let the peace of God rule or referee in your life. So how does someone remain calm in the midst of all of the stress around them? 
How does someone allow the peace of God to rule in their life? How does someone keep themselves from becoming unglued with all of the difficulty that they can face in their life? You see, the truth is stress is a part of all of our lives. Every one of us in this room have to experience stress in our life. In fact, stress at a certain level is a good thing because stress actually motivates us to do something. Stress actually gives us the energy we need to get a job done. It helps us to put some effort into the things that we need to do in our life. It gives us, in some ways, the ability to accomplish things in our life. Now, you know what? I've been at Carnegie Hall, and I've seen some of these people play the violin, and some people can play that. And it's so beautiful. It's so lovely. But you know that a violin has a string, has several strings on it, and you have to turn that string and turn that string. You have to tighten it and tighten it and tighten it just so that you can get it for the right note. Just like I, I play the guitar. I tried to play the guitar, and you know, and the truth is, is there are six strings on that guitar, and if they're all very loose, they're not going to make any good sound. But you tune it to the right pitch, and man, it makes a beautiful sound. And friends, when we're tuned to the right pitch, you know, sometimes that stress in our life can motivate us to do something. We're making the right sound. But you know what? I've done it before on my guitar. I've turned it and 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 forgot to tune it, and all of a sudden, it pops. And see, too much stress in our life will make us pop. Too much stress in our life will stretch us far beyond our ability to handle or cope with the things that are around us in our life. You see, some of us are stressed to the point where we feel like we're ready to explode, ready to fall apart, that we've been stretched beyond the breaking point. In fact, Paul was not unfamiliar with this kind of stress in his life. He writes about it in the Bible. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Because let's get into the life of Paul for a few moments and see what Paul had to deal with in his life. Paul tells us that he had to deal with a lot of stress in his life. He says, I think you ought to know about the troubles we went through. We were crushed and completely overwhelmed. Have you ever been crushed and felt completely overwhelmed in your life? Let me see your hand if that's you today, right? I think everyone in this room have been crushed and overwhelmed in our life, maybe by bad news or a situation that we weren't expecting in our life. That means stress to the breaking point. And he said, and we thought that we would never live through it. He said, I thought I'd never get through it. When you're stressed to the breaking point, you just don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. You don't feel like you can really get through it. What do you do when you're stretched? What do you do when you're stretched beyond the breaking point? This morning, I want to give you seven stress busters to help you to deal with stress in your life. So I want you to take out of your bulletin today, there's a little handout for you, a little place where you can write some sermon notes, and I want you to write this down. Number one, when you're stressed, release. Everybody say release. Release, release your frustration to God. Release your frustration to God. Listen to me. Stress can produce a lot of emotions in our life. It can produce a sense of fear, of anxiety, of anger, of depression, of, of guilt and panic. But most of all, 
it's very frustrating. When you've got a situation that, that is beyond your control, it creates a sense of frustration in your life. And friends, we need to know how to release that frustration. Unfortunately, too many people, they release that frustration to the wrong people. You know, the husband comes home, he kicks the wife, the wife kicks the kids, the, the kids kick the dog, the dog kicks the cat, and the cat kicks the mouse. You know, well, the cat eats the mouse. <laughs> and so when we're frustrated, we've got to know who to go to. And unfortunately, so often, instead of running to God, we run to other people. Instead of running to God, we run to other things in our life to alleviate the stress in our life. But God says, you come to me. When you're frustrated, when you're angry, when you're depressed, when you don't know what to do, you run to me. You come to me, all ye that are heaven laden and burdened, and I will give you rest in your life. See, no matter how you feel, you can't push it down. You see, we think that for certain Christians, we think that we're supposed to shove it down. We're supposed to act like there's nothing wrong. You push it down, you pretend it's not there, you wear a mask, you ignore the emotional symptoms in your life. You know, when there's certain physical symptoms in your life, when there's certain emotional symptoms in your life, as you will read on those sheets of paper that we gave you, that's an indication that something's wrong, that you're over, you're overstressed in your life, you're overheating, and you're going to break down. And so, therefore, God has given you these gifts of emotions. When you're feeling really depressed, there's a reason for that. When you're feeling like you're anxious, there's a reason for that. When you get those butterflies in your stomach, you don't take drugs get those butterflies out of your stomach you deal with it you say why am I feeling this way in my life there's a reason my body is telling me something that I'm either overstressed or there's something going on and I don't want to deal with it and as a result your body's crying out saying deal with it so that you can be healthy again somebody help me out and say amen, amen. see what do you do when you're frustrated do you stuff it when you're discouraged do you pretend like everything is okay you know, as Christians, we're really good at that. We put a smile on. And when you're asked, are you okay? I'm fine. I'm, I'm blessed. You know, that's great. We know that we're blessed. We know that we're thankful. You don't have to prove you're, you're over-spiritual to people. Sometimes you got to just tell them when they ask you, man, I'm trusting God. I'm going through a really hard time right now, but I'm running to God. I'm trusting God. I am pouring out my heart to God. Listen to me. God wants you to be real. He doesn't want you to be a liar. He wants you to be real about your emotions. He wants you to be transparent and open about what's going on in your life. He wants you to be honest with yourself and honest with him. God wants you to share your frustrations with him. Psalm 62, 8 says, pour out your heart to God because he's your refuge. There it is. He says, you can run to your refuge and pour your heart out to God. Hebrews 4, 13 says this. And there is no person or creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to his eyes, and you must trust him because you will give an account to him. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our what? Weaknesses, with our frustration, with our anger, with our anxiety, with our fear. But in all points he was tempted as we are, yet he was without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy 
and find grace in a time of need. Now, I don't want to be sacrilegious this morning, but I don't think when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was having a good day. I don't think when Jesus was hanging on the cross, he was smiling. <laughs> Bless God, I'm okay. You know, when Jesus was in the garden of Gethsemane, the Bible says that he sweat as there were drops of blood. When's the last time you got so stressed out that you sweat drops of blood? That's a lot of stress. He was under an incredible amount of stress. When they beat him, he was under a, an incredible amount of stress. He came down. God became man. And he was beaten. They beat him so badly that his back was shredded like chopped meat. They hung him on the cross. That, my friend, is not having a great day. Hallelujah. But he had a bad day so that you could have a good day. Somebody say amen. And the Bible says he is our high priest who's been touched with the feeling of our stress. He's been touched with the feeling of our infirmity, with our weakness. He was touched with fear. He was touched with depression. He was touched with anxiety. He was touched with stress in his life so that we can come to him because he knows what you're going through this morning. He knows that you're at the breaking point as he was in the garden of Gethsemane that the angels came and attended to him and ministered to him so that he can go on. And today he's saying, I want you to come to me. I'm your high priest that loved you with an everlasting love and I know what you're going through in your life and you can pour out your heart to me somebody say amen this morning so what do you do when you're frustrated how do you deal with how you feel you don't deny your feelings you don't suppress them you don't ignore them you don't wear a mask you don't even rehearse them over and over again God says you release them to me you tell me about it you pour your heart to me and you leave it at the altar. Psalms 31 to 22 says, in my distress, I said, God, I can't. God, don't you even see me? I can't see you. God, don't you, don't you even see me? And then Paul, uh, David breaks through and he says, but you heard my prayer when I cried to you for help. There it is. When I, when I was in frustration, I came to you and I poured out my heart and you heard me, God. Now, now, many of you know this, but, but my mom taught me how to release things to God. She modeled it for me, and it wasn't easy for her to model this for me. See, my mom was 28 years old when my father died. My father died of cancer, cirrhosis, cirrhosis of the liver. He wasn't a drinker, but he died of cancer. 28 years old, she had four kids. Oldest was seven. The youngest was four months old. I remember my father, just, I was four years old at the time, but I remember when my father left and he went to Italy. He wanted to die in Italy. And I remember my mom brought us on a plane and we all went to Italy to follow my dad. And you talk about stress, 28-year-old mom, four-month-old little infant, four-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old on a plane. I'm barfing my brains out. She takes me and throws me and lets somebody else handle me because she couldn't handle all the kids that she had on that plane at one time. And then my dad, he died a couple of months later. And I watched my mom. I watched my mom come to the altar every Sunday. I watched my mom come to church. And she'd come to the altar and she'd weep and cry before the Lord. And you know, as a little kid, it's kind of scary to see your mom weeping at the altar like that. But something in her was saying, God, I need you. And I'm here to pour my life out to you, my heart out to you. And, 
And you know, my mom, she'd come to the altar and she'd cry her eyeballs out and she'd say, God, I need you. God, I love you. I want to serve you, God. Lord, I'm frustrated. I don't know what to do. I don't have enough money to meet the bills. I don't know how I'm going to feed my kids, but she'd take all this stuff, as the Bible says, cast your cares before the Lord because he loves you. And I'd watch my mom get off that altar and walk up at, out of the aisle and she'd, 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 she'd stand up tall. She's about four foot five, but she'd stand up tall and she'd walk out of the church and she'd say, game on. Now it's time for me to get back to work. And she'd get back to work. And friends, she raised four kids that love the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, come on, somebody say amen. She learned how to pour her heart out to God. And in pouring her heart out to God, she wasn't running to other people. And you know, back then, they weren't encouraged to go to counselors or psychiatrists. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's wonderful today that we can go and pour our heart out to other people. But you know what? So often we run to other people before we run to God. And see, they didn't know that. They didn't know that they could run the, to counselors or whatever. And so all they had was God, and they would run to God. And they'd pour out their heart to God, and then they'd get up from the altar, and they'd leave the church and say, game on. Now it's time for me to do what I have to do. And God would give them the strength that they needed to keep on going on. Stress buster number two, resist control and realize change. Write that down. Resist control and realize change. You see, the truth is, Control is a huge issue for us in our life. There are some things, friends, that you can't control in your life. Richard Dobbins once said, much of our frustration in life comes from attempting to control what we can't control and neglecting to control or change what we can. Listen to me. You may not be able to control your circumstances, but you can change your perspective. You may not be able to control the people in your life, but you can change how you feel about them. You may not be able to control your problems, but you can change your attitude. You may not be able to control some of the mistakes that you made in your life, but you can control the decisions that you need to make today for your future. Somebody say amen. In fact, I came across an article this week from Lori Desench, and she says this. Sure, there's a lot of things that we can't control. Businesses may fail. Stocks may plummet. Relationships may end. The list is infinite. On and on about things that we can't control in our life. They call them acts of God or acts of nature or acts that other people do that we can't control in our life. But wouldn't it be far more effective if we focused on all the things that we can change in our life. If we stop worrying about the indefinite things of life and start benefiting from the things that are guaranteed in life, our stress level will go down. So right now, we can control certain things. Friends, right now, you can control how many times you smile. In fact, don't turn to your neighbor right now and say they're the funniest looking person in their life. It may cause too much stress for them. Just smile at them right now. Go ahead. Just smile. You can control how much effort you put into your workday. You can control the level of your honesty. You can control how you prepare, how you act on your feelings, how often you say thank you, when you pull out your wallet for luxuries that you don't need, whether or not you give someone the benefit of the doubt, 
how you will interpret your situations, whether or not you compete with people around you, how often you notice and appreciate the small acts of kindness that are all around you, everywhere in your life, whether you listen or you talk too much, when you walk away from a conversation, how nice you are to yourself in your head, whether you think positive thoughts or negative thoughts, whether or not you form certain expectations or judgments about other people. The type of food that you eat this Christmas. I'm watching you. When you answer someone's question or email or call. How much time you spend worrying. How many new things you will try in your life. How much time you spend exercising. I'm watching how many times you swear in traffic? I didn't say swerve, I said swear. Whether or not you'll plan for the weather. How much time you spend trying to convince people that you have to be right. How often you think about your past. How many negative articles and things that you'll read that are not good for you. The attention you give to your loved ones when you see them. How much you enjoy the things that are before you right now whether or not you communicate something that's on your mind, how clean or uncluttered you keep your space, what books you read, how well you network with social events, how deeply you breathe when you experience stress in your life. Okay, everybody, ready? Breathe. Do it again. Breathe. That's a lot of bad breath on a Sunday morning. How many times you admit that you don't know something and you have to learn something? How often you use your influence to help people instead of focusing on building your own reputation? When you ask for help, if you will ask for help, which commitments you keep and cancel? How many risks that you will take in your life? How creative and innovative you will be in your thinking? How clear you are when you explain your thoughts? whether you formulate a new plan or act on your existing one, how much information you get before you make a judgment or a decision, whether you smoke or drink, whether or not you judge other people, whether you smell good or smell bad when you leave your house, how much of what other people say you believe, how quickly you try again after you fail, how many times you say I love you, and how much rest you get. In your life I have a few of my own how often you will give thanks to God for all that he gives you how you will refuse to complain no matter how bad things can get around you how often you will stop and pray how often you will do acts of random kindness for others how often you will just simply say I love you to the people that you really love in your life how often you will change the channel in your mind and think of godly things how often you will refuse to gossip, how you will choose to love instead of hate, and how you will commit everything back to God today, right now, and how happy you choose to be right now, this very moment. You see, my friend, stress comes to all of us, but there's a million and one things that we can control in our life that will alleviate stress for us. Again, my wonderful mom, she taught me so many things. Growing up in, in her house, I was taught how to trust God with all my heart, how to pour my heart out before the Lord. 
But I was also taught how to give things back to God that I can't control and to move forward. My mom used to have a prayer on the wall. It was called the serenity prayer. And it says this, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Did you know that there's more to that prayer? There's a lot more to that prayer. Let me read another phrase from that prayer. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace. Wow. God, give me the serenity to accept the things that I can't control in my life. And God, give me the courage to change the things that I can change. And God, give me the wisdom to know the difference and help me to live one day at a time, accepting difficulties as the hand of the Lord because God works all things out for my good. Hallelujah. Remember one thing, no matter what you're going through in your life, God promises us that he's at work in your life. As Romans 8.28 says in the Greek, and God is at work in all situations in your your life so that he can bring good out of that situation when I really get stressed in my life when I'm facing something that I cannot control in my life and I cannot even change in my life then I can look up to God and say but God you still have something good for me in my life I don't know how I don't know when but something really good's going to come out of this why because you're at work in this situation hallelujah somebody say amen so what are you still trying to control in your life that you need to turn over to God this morning. Stress buster number three, remove the clutter in your life, clean out the closets. You see, here's the truth. We simply hold on to too much stuff in our life. I said we simply hold on to too much stuff in our life. And we've got to learn how to clean out the closets in our life. We've got to learn how to clean out the spiritual closet in our life. We've got to learn how to clean out the emotional closet of our life. You know, on Monday, Monday's my day off. And, here, and the truth is, the only time I work on a Monday is when somebody dies. So don't die on a Monday. It's my day off. But, but so often on a Monday, I go into my bedroom and I take all my clothes out of my drawers. I dump them on my bed. And my wife's like, what are you doing, you maniac? And I take all my clothes out. And I pick out the clothes that I'm not going to wear. You know, that, that shirt that you say you're going to wear, you're going to wear, you're going to and you never wear, and it's taking up room. I take that shirt out, I put it in a bag, and I donate it. And I take all of those clothes out, and I fold them neatly and nicely. And I put them back in the drawer, and I close the drawer, and I smile. Oh, so good. And then I go into my closet, and I take all my shoes out of my closet. I get the vacuum cleaner out, and I, and I vacuum all the dust that gets into your shoes and all around, and clean out the closet. And I put all my shoes in place, and then I look at those suits that I never wear anymore on Sunday. Hallelujah, been set free. Name of Jesus. And I keep a couple of them for funerals and weddings and get rid of the other ones that are just not, I'm never going to wear anymore. And I get rid of those shirts that I'm not going to wear anymore. And I clean out my closet. And after I'm done, I say, oh, I feel so good. 
there's order back in my life again. And friends, we've got some stuff in our life emotionally that we've got to clean out. There's stuff that we're carrying in our life emotionally. The anger and the bitterness. The past unresolved conflicts in our life that we're holding on to. The emotional baggage of that stuff will kill you. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, Therefore, because we have such a cloud of witnesses that are surrounding us, let us cast off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us and let us run our race with perseverance. Everything. He puts two things before us, two categories, the everythings in our life and the sin in our life. You see, when you're carrying sin, when you're being disobedient to the Lord and you know it, it creates an incredible amount of stress in your life. When you're running away from God, when you're running away from something that God called you to do, it creates stress in your life. But when you surrender to God and say, God, not my will, your will be done. When you surrender that emotional baggage in your life to God, wow, it's like a weight that is lifted from you. I remember that I had a situation in my life, an emotional situation, an open-ended conflict in my life. Open and listen to me. Open-ended conflict will cause more stress in your life than anything else. You know, yesterday I was talking to somebody, and I said, you know, stress is relative. And I'm thinking to myself as I'm saying, I'm thinking, stress is relative. I mean, everybody has a different level of stress based on their life. And then I said, no, stress is not relative because people have different situations in their life. Stress is relative because my relatives give me stress. One of the greatest sources of stress in our life come from carrying the things that we simply need to get rid of in our life. The bad habits, the emotional clutter, the unresolved conflicts, the past hurts in our life. And so the fourth stress buster for you, and I want to go a little deeper on this, is refuse to be bitter in your life. Refuse to be bitter in your life. You see... Unforgiveness will cause more stress than anything else in your life. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because when you choose not to forgive somebody, listen to me, it ties you to that episode. Listen to me. When you choose to hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness in your life, it ties you to the painful experience or event in your life. You were abused. When you don't forgive the person who abused you, it ties you back. So you keep on reliving the abuse over and over. That's stressful. When you don't let something go, that's why Jesus says, when you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against. You know, when I think of the word trespass, I think somebody's stepping on my property. Somebody just stepped on my heart. Somebody just stepped all over my life. And they trespassed against me. And Jesus says, if you don't let that go, that bitterness will destroy your life. It will cause stress in your life because it will tie you to the past. But Paul the Apostle says, one thing I do, I forget what is behind and I press on. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 15 says, Don't let a root of bitterness spring up, lest you defile many. 
lest you become toxic with bitterness. And let me tell you something. When you have bitterness in your heart, it causes an incredible amount of stress. Why? Because that bitterness will affect every other relationship you have in your life. You know, I meet people who can't get along with somebody, and I say to myself, you know why they can't get along with people? Because they've got bitterness and anger in their life. And you know what happens? That bitterness and anger follows you everywhere you go, and every person that you talk to, and every person that you get close to, and every person that you try to date, and every person that you try to marry, if you don't get rid of that bitterness, it's going to affect them, and guess what? It's going to come back to you, because you're going to have broken relationships, and broken relationships always cause stress in our life. Let it go. Today, I'm begging you to let it go. Don't hold on to the past pain in your life. You see, because it always opens the door to Satan. It gives him a foothold in your life, and it leads to greater stress in your life. You see, the fact is, we're all going to be hurt in our life. We're going to be hurt by circumstances. We're going to be hurt by things we cannot control. We're going to be hurt by other people intentionally and unintentionally you're going to get hurt but and you can't stop the hurting in your life you're just going to get hurt but what you can do is stop the pain of bitterness and unforgiveness in your life see you can't control everything in your life and see bitterness doesn't only come because somebody hurt you so often bitterness comes because you're angry because you keep on saying to yourself, why did this have to happen to me? Bitterness comes at the circumstances of your life. Job was in danger of becoming bitter because he kept on asking the question, but why? But why? But why? The why turns into bitterness in our life. And that's where we have to trust in God with all our heart. And lean not on our own understanding. And so God takes Job in the middle of the field. And he asks Job a couple of questions. And Job says, I stop questioning. And I start trusting God with all my heart. I'm not going to figure out all the whys on this side of heaven. I'm not going to. And please, can I be, can I be careful this morning to say this? But I think I need to say this this morning. Nobody is ever going to know the pain that those parents are going through right now that lost their little children. And I would never dare try to pretend that I would handle it in such a way because we don't know how we would handle it. But I can tell you this. Look at me right now. If you're watching this live stream, if you're in the cafe, in the balcony, on the first floor, I promise you this. God's answer to every injustice in particular for children in this world is heaven Jesus said unless you become like a little child you cannot see eternal life Jesus said suffer not the little ones to come unto me for such is the kingdom of God children go to heaven God has the last word and I thank God that heaven is God's answer for all the injustices of this world. I'm not going to say anymore. Stress buster number four. Prioritize your time and learn how to say no. You see, your time is the most precious thing that you have in your life. And somebody else is going to try to steal your time. I mean, even 
well-meaning people are going to try to steal your time. They're going to expect you to spend your time doing things that they need, they want, they expect you to do. And every one of us, if we're going to overcome stress in our life, we're going to have to take control of our time and our life. That's something that you can't get back. I've learned this. Being 50 years old, I've learned you can't get back that time. You can just look forward now. And you can make some decisions in your life. The psalmist said, teach me to number my days aright that I may gain a heart of wisdom. Ephesians 5 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity you get in your life. Now I want you to know that, that I'm a really busy person. But let me, let me let you into my world for a moment and be transparent with you. About six months ago, I was asked to be the executive presbyter of the metro region of New York. That means that I am now connected to over 200 churches in this region. That somehow I have to be able to oversee the presbyters of that region and minister not only to my church, but to see how I can be an influence over those presbyters and those ministers of those churches. And I'll never forget getting on a plane going to Syracuse for my first executive presbyter meeting and saying, God, why did I do this? <laughs> God, you know how busy I am. Why did I do this? And I went to the meeting and we spent three grueling days. I'm telling you, three days of making major decisions, hearing major information. And I got on the plane and I said, God, why did I do this? And God said, because I want you to do this. He said, but I want you to learn how to prune away those things in your life that are going to produce death so that you could produce life. And I read an article about John chapter 15 about how Jesus says he's the vine, we're the branches, and that God wants us to bear much fruit, but God comes and clips away some of the vines so that they could be more fruitfulness in, in our lives. And the Lord spoke to me that day and he said to me, if you're going to be effective and if, listen to me, look at me, if you're going to be effective and you're going to be fruitful, then you're going to have to learn how to say no and take some things off your plate. You're going to have to start taking things off your plate so that you can have balance in your life, so that you can be healthy, you can have a Sabbath day in your life. And so I called up my good friend Anthony Richardson in Jamaica, I love going on mission trips. That's one of my greatest joys in my life. And I said, Brother Anthony, I can't come this year. I know that every year I do a leadership training for you and I, and I do a great graduation for all the graduates of Teen Challenge. And man, I love to do this, but I, I can't do that anymore. And even some of the events and activities that happen within my own fellowship, the Assemblies of God, I've said no to. I've said, I can't do that. If you want me to do this, I'll do this, but I can't do that. I told the superintendent, I said, listen, I will stay in this position as long as the rhythm of my life, as long as the balance of my life stays intact. When that starts to get out of whack, then I've got to make some decisions. And let me tell you, for the last month and a half, I've been going like a lunatic with all the things that happened with the hurricane. But two weeks ago, I made my choice up. I said, no more Mondays. Monday's my day that I need to rejuvenate myself again. And so, on Mondays, I'm back to normal. I get up, I clean out my closet. <laughs> I go to Costco with my wife. We get all the freebies around lunchtime. 
I have my date night with my wife, my date day with my wife, and I feel refreshed again. But I had to say no. Listen to me. When you say no to stuff, you're saying yes to growth in your life. When you say no to stuff, you're saying yes to fruitfulness in your life. You see, you have to cut away the dead stuff in your life. There are seasons in all of our lives. You know, let me tell you something. I struggle with control in my life. I, I, I am a recovering control freak. And there was a time, and some of you know this. Look at me. Some of you know this. That on Sunday morning, two services back to back, I used to lead worship. Sometimes I used to do the announcements, do communion. Then I used to preach and do altar calls. That is crazy. And people tried to tell me that. But I just kept on, why? Because I want to be honest with you. I love, I love leading worship. I love leading a group of people into the presence of God. There's nothing more exciting to me, even more than preaching, than leading worship. You see, that was a season in my life. And God said to me, you need to let that go. Because if you don't let that go, somebody else can't come and bring more fruitfulness to that ministry. Come on, somebody. You need to let that go because somebody else is going to come and they're going to grow in that ministry. So we've got to learn how to let go, even of the things we love to do, because God's got something better for us. And let me tell you, this has been, look at me, this has been a season of growth and maturity in my life like I've never seen before. But we've got to be willing to say no to some things. Number five, quickly, receive help from others. Receive help from others. One of the greatest sources of stress in our life is feeling all alone. Not knowing who to turn to. Not having anyone to talk to. Not having anyone to lean on. And a temptation that we all are tempted to give into is to be proud and not ask for help. Not reach out to somebody. And when we do that, we cause a, a whole lot of stress in our life. Why? Because we were not created to be an island all by ourselves. We were never, listen to me, we were, you were never created to figure out all your problems by yourself. The Bible says the eye cannot say to the ear, I don't need you. That we're a part of the body of Christ and we are not independent. We are interdependent with one another and we can't make it without one another. And sometimes we get too proud to ask for a favor. Sometimes we get too proud to say, I need help. I need to reach out to somebody. And it causes a whole lot of stress in our life. Why? Because we feel alone. We feel that we've got to do it all by ourselves. But you can't do it by yourself. You need your brother and sister in Christ to come alongside of you and help you. Let me tell you. Look at me. Let me tell you. It's been a real stressful time for us. Little did I know, I went back to my home in, in Oceanside, and I'm really blessed that no water came in my house. But when we walked into my house the first day after the storm, I smelled sewage so bad. And I was just thinking, put a couple of candles out and live in denial. And it just got worse. And then, then all of a sudden, my plumbing started to back up. And I called my friends and said, do me a favor, clean out the pipes. And they did. Four days later, happened again. Got another plumber. Four days later, happened again. We've had five plumbers in our house. In fact, right after the service, we got a plumber coming to my house to unstop my clog. 
in my drain. Why? Because I've got my mother-in-law living with me and another lady who lost her house living with us downstairs. And I'm like, God, what am I going to do with all this? Yesterday, it was clogged up. I, I don't know what to do. God, I, I, right, I'm, I don't know what to do. Right? See, what happened was evidently due to the storm, the pipe underneath my house broke. So I've got some major situations going on in my home right now in Oceanside. But you know what was so wonderful yesterday? I have to tell you how blessed I am. I was stressed, got on my knees and prayed, cried out to God, said, God, you, you know what I need to do about this? And then I reached out to my friend Angelo. And I said, Angelo, I, I don't know what to do. And you know what he said to me? He said, Steve, we'll figure it out together. So we'll figure it out together. He says, just don't worry about it because I'm going to be there for you. And we're going to figure it out together. Do you know, just him saying that to me, I'm not a plumber. I don't know how to clean out pipes. I know how to clean you out, but I don't know how to clean out pipes. <laughs> but just somebody coming and saying, I'm with you. You're not alone. And friends, you're not alone. And you need to learn how to reach out to people. The Bible says encourage each other and give each other strength. I love that. Number six, refuse to worry about tomorrow. I'm taking my time. Give me a few more moments. Refuse to worry about tomorrow. Corey Timboom said this. She said, worrying is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. You can't carry two days at once. That's why you're so stressed out. Because God only gives you enough strength for today. But you keep on worrying about tomorrow, and that's a weight on your shoulder. Why? Because you can't carry two days. God only gave you the strength to carry one day. He said, don't worry about tomorrow. Seek first the kingdom of God today, and all these other things are going to happen tomorrow. God will provide for you. So you can't worry about tomorrow. Why? Because it's too heavy for you, and it will drain you of your strength today. Worry is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It is... Moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worrying doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Thank you, Corey Timboom. A woman who went to a concentration camp during World War II teaches us worrying about tomorrow takes our strength away for today. Number six, and this I really wanted to get to. This is the heart of my message this morning. Listen, stress buster number six, recommit everything back to God on a daily basis. You see, Paul learned the secret of overcoming stress in his life. Listen to me. It wasn't that Paul didn't have any stress in his life. You know, I thought about naming the title of this sermon, Living a Stress-Free Life. You can't live a stress-free life. You can overcome stress, but you can't live a stress-free life because stress is going to come to all of us. Paul was familiar with stress in his life. Paul says, I have stress because I've been beaten. I've been shipwrecked. I've been arrested. I'm on death row. Hey, listen, if somebody came to you and told you in a couple of months you're going to be beheaded, that would be a bad day for you. That would certainly be a bad hair day for you. Having to travel from church to church. Listen what Paul says. Listen what Paul says. Listen to me. 
He says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. He's not talking about marijuana. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent the night and the day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger by rivers, danger by bandits, in danger of my own countrymen, in danger from the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country. I can't get away from danger. He said, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. I have labored and toiled and I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides all of these things, I face the daily pressure or the stress and the concern of all the churches that I oversee. But Paul, listen to me, look at me as I close. Paul learns the secret of overcoming stress in his life one day at a time as he commits everything that he has back to God. He said, I am not my own. I die daily to myself. I am not my own. I am bought with a price. Everything that I am, everything that I hope to be, everything that I possess in my life, it all belongs to God. Listen to me. I love what he says in 2 Timothy chapter 1. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, look at me, look at me. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know, look at me. For I know in whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that he is able, listen to me, he is able to keep that which I have committed to him. <sighs> listen to me. Are you listening to me? The Greek word committed means entrusted, put on deposit. And here's where all the stress comes from. Young person, listen to me. Here's where all the stress comes from. When we try to hold on to the things that we think we possess in our life, that causes so much stress. Oh no, what if I lose my home? What if your home was given to God? What if I lose my car? Oh God, what if I lose the people in my life that I love so dearly? God, what if I lose my very life? I was driving here this morning with my second daughter and all oh, the conversations we have in the car on Sunday morning driving the church. Wow. I said, Julia, how you feel these days with everything that's going on? I said, Julia, are some of the things that you're seeing frightening you? And she said to me, listen, listen what a young person says to me. Wow, what wisdom. She says, Daddy, yes. There are times when I fight anxiety and fear over the future but she said daddy she said this I know she says if I die I know where I'm going I'm going to heaven she said daddy there are times when I get afraid but my life belongs to God I wanted to shout and scream. If there was an eject button in the car, I wanted to eject out of the car and say, you got it, baby. <laughs> See, the reason why we get so stressed in life is because we hold on to things that belong to God. But when you give them to God, when you commit them to God, then you don't have to worry about them any longer because they belong to God. Your house belongs to God. Your car belongs to God. More than that, 
Your very life belongs to God. Your children belong to God. Your son, your daughter, your wife, your career, your life, everything. When you commit it to God, you could go to sleep because it doesn't belong to you any longer. That which I have committed unto God, He's able to keep until that day. So just keep on storing everything in heaven. And one day, <laughs> I has not seen.